and we're back everybody what's up welcome to another episode of wildlife cake and cocktails we're out in the field again um and returning to the show we have matt wright and yasmin zeleni from Phonographic. matt is a keen naturalist and wildlife photographer uh very experienced in raptor handling and rehab with a particular fascination for australian owls he runs Phonographic wildlife photography tours and services from here in southeast queensland uh, along with wildlife scientist snake catcher and photographer yasmin zeleni uh, both are involved in a number of conservation efforts including the Brisbane Powerful Owl Project which you can check out on Facebook at Powerful Owls Brisbane and BirdLife Australia. Uh, you can follow all the Phonographic action on Facebook at Phonographic or at Phonographic.com.au. Now um, we can't tell you exactly where we are, we're going to keep the location a little bit secret but um, we're out owling and we're going to be uh, hopefully finding some powerful owls tonight, maybe something else. Um, and uh, maybe even a few gliders, if we're lucky, if they haven't all been uh, eaten by the local predatory birds. Is that right? Yes, that's right. All right, awesome. And uh, Yasmin, how are you doing? Um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, obviously we're not going to give away the location, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, the environment here and what we're looking at? Um, so this area is a lot of um, scribbly gums, tallow woods, blood woods. It's a really nice forest. Um, it's very great for the powerful owls because there's a lot of um, arboreal mammals here. So a lot of their favourites, which are ringtail possums. Um, you'll see the odd brushy as well. Um, we have some greater gliders here. Also squirrel gliders, which they'll take, but that's kind of like an entree for a powerful owl. So. <laughs> a little bit small for them, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. So um, if you gave that to your chick, they'd kind of go, and like, have you got something else for me? So <laughs> Right. So, you know, that's uh, just more effort for, you know, yeah. mum or dad to put in <laughs> yeah. hunting. So they prefer to take, uh, obviously being large and powerful, they prefer to take pretty large prey. Yeah, something more substantial. Um, but they'll take anything, you know, if they come across like um, a bunch of roosting sulfur-crested cockatoo, to, so I'll pinch one of those. Um, we've seen this pair um, enjoy the odd rainbow lorikeet and <laughs> we've found quite a few flying fox wings um, around their roost sites as well this year so um, they'll take a, a lot of different prey items um, depending on what's around they're very opportunistic but ringtail possums are definitely their favorite. Yeah, very cool. Do you, do you see them take a lot of reptile fauna as well, or is that not um, uh, really no. in their wheelhouse? No, it's pretty much um, just mammals and then some birds as well. Yeah. Cool, very cool. And Matt, uh, thanks again uh, for joining us on the show, mate. Very uh, happy to be out here once again. It's great being out at night. It's my daytime. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, you spend a lot of time out here. What's, uh, what's particularly uh, special for you about this place? Um, I think it's just, oh, without getting into too much detail where we are, it's um, very close to suburbia. A lot of people don't know there's powerful owls here. They probably hear them, but they probably don't even know what, what it is that's making the noise at night. So, um, yeah, it's about 45 minutes from my house. Um, but, yeah, it's originally was a really good spot for a lot of things. But as uh, Jazz just mentioned, um, I think they're eating a lot of things. So it's starting to get a little bit quiet. But there's there's a lot of stuff here regardless. It's, an, it's a nice, easy walk. And some of the spots we have to go to, uh, we have to do a bit of rock climbing or a bit of uh, abseiling sometimes. Um, but yeah, this is a nice easy walk. So it's a nice, easy, accessible point for us to, to come and do our surveys and data logging for not just the powerful owls, but other bits and bobs of the night. Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, and also that nice, easy walk for me, still waiting for one more surgery is, uh, is handy. Um, but it is, uh, you know, super surprising to see how, how close they are to the suburbs. I, I mean, we, we've really walked a, a few hundred metres down a, you know, uh, signed, uh, you know, footpath. 
and then duck off trail a little bit and um you're kind of there um is that is that pretty typical for owls around brisbane yeah a lot of the powerful owls are very well adapted to to urban areas that's predominantly because that's where a lot of their their prey has become quite adapted to to surviving especially those possums so a lot of the powerful owls are going to be in urban areas. There are still some that you're going to have to look a little bit harder for in national parks and conservation areas, but a lot of these guys are in areas that aren't protected by by that national park sign or that conservation park. So that's why they're in a bit of trouble, and that's why we need to look for them and uh, log sightings of them so we can uh, help conserve the areas that they're living in. Right, right. And a lot of that obviously happening through the... Uh uh, Brisbane Powerful Owl Project at uh, Powerful Owl Brisbane and at BirdLife Australia, um, and uh, is there, I guess it was there was uh, eBird as well and uh, Bird Data that that are now out for logging um, uh, bird observations. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Um, bird data is especially good as they um, deal with sensitive information. Well, so say. I'm logging information, especially for something like a nest site, that's not something you're going to want to advertise. Um, so they'll move that point, but the right people that need to see it, um, the people that are running bird data, bird life, they know the exact coordinates, but anyone that goes to look on bird data won't get the right spot. So right, so this really, really good because you're making sure the right people know and the wrong people don't. So, so the sensitive stuff gets a little bit modified uh, just so the to minimise that risk of poaching and things like that. Is Absolutely, that correct? Absolutely, yeah, and just disturbance. So um, these owls are quite sensitive, especially ones that um, aren't used to getting a lot of um, attention and a lot of human traffic around them. And um, you know, you can have females abandoning nest sites when it's earlier in the season, or you can get very aggressive males that are defending their territory and potentially swooping people so we want to avoid that <laughs> wow so um, you know if we do uh, feel ourselves get swooped by some kind of massive beast tonight how likely is that <laughs> uh, this time of year is probably close to being a zero percent chance now because the the chicks have probably been out of the hollow for close to maybe six weeks almost yeah. um, so the chance of that of being very very slim to almost none almost a revert a, a minus percentage <laughs> well if it happens i'll still be happy it'd be very entertaining for me um so look, I, I guess we should talk about um oh what have we spotted a powerful owl just flew in above us ladies and gentlemen while we're sitting here recording a powerful owl has flown over above us and it has landed in a tree not too far just there you can see the eye shine oh wow we investigate. Yeah, let's go have a look, guys. All right. Well, that's the joy of uh, recording in the wild. You never know what's going to happen. All right. Well, those guys are heading off ahead. I'm just going to grab my equipment and uh, we're following down the trail. All right, so how often does this happen to you guys? You'll, uh, you know, be doing one thing and then an owl flies overhead and off you go? Oh, it's actually happened a few times. It helps when you know that they're here and then they're in the right habitat. Oh, that's a perfect spot. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. Wow, they are huge birds. Yeah, they're pretty impressive. So, well, we, we didn't really even have to go too far to look for them. They kind of came to us in this case. Yes, it's nice when that happens. It can happen a lot with very secretive nocturnal birds, but... I, I imagine you guys spend a lot more time uh, out here than I do, and uh, here we are. 
first. Yeah, they're first probably because we've been talking. They're probably Ooh. been there goes a bit of a poo there. Of course, because we've been talking, you probably just come to investigate. Come to investigate. Right? Are they that, that inquisitive about just noises and, and stuff in their territory? Or oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, is, is that typical of the males, uh, or, or is that just all powerful owls? They hear something and they got to kind of go check it out. Um, I found one, when the when the birds are still quite young, there he goes. Oh, there he flies off into the distance. Wow, and barely a sound, obviously. No, very quiet. Yeah, That's stealth it. hunters. <laughs> yeah, when the chicks are still quite young, the male does pretty much most of the hunting still. When when they when when they become a little bit more independent, then the then the female will start leaving as well. But the male's doing most of the hard yards from the moment the female's in the nest until probably a month or two after they're out of the hollow. Wow, wonderful. So that's uh, him probably off on a on a hunt then. Um, I, I guess we're expecting to see some uh, chicks that are out of the nest at this time of year then? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, up here in Brisbane, a lot of our chicks are out earlier than down south. So we'll, we'll have um, chicks starting to fledge, um, depending on the site and when, when the owls mated and nested successfully, you know, from somewhere around mid-gen until early September we'll have chicks fledging in that time frame. Um, so these birds here um, fledged a bit later than um, last year. Last year we had chicks out here mid-July. Yeah, wow. Um, so these guys fledged um, right at the beginning of September. So quite a bit later. We were worried about them for a moment, but <laughs> it was <laughs> well, all Well, they came the through end. in the end, yeah, yeah wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, wow. Um, so there off goes the male off hunting, um, or so we presume. Um, I, uh, I suppose we should see what else we can find. Um, is, is there a lot that you guys expect to find in this area other than the uh, powerful owls? Um, this is a fantastic site because it's so rich in hollows of all sizes, um, but it has some, you know, impressive hollows around. Like these powerful owls have plenty of options in terms of um, moving hollow sites if they want to or if they make a bit of a mess of their, their old ones. So um, we're not worried about them in, in this location. Um, they've got plenty of hollows to choose from but it's also a great site for, for greater gliders for this reason because um, these one metre long gliders, a lot of that is tail, um, they use multiple hollows at a time so they need really hollow rich areas. So we might see one of those tonight if we're lucky. Um, can also get koalas in this area, um, squirrel gliders, tawny frogmouths. Oh, bear with me. So uh, we were talking about what else we might be able to find uh, around here. Obviously, uh, uh, a lot of uh, powerful owl uh, in the area as well. Um, but uh, we might be hopefully seeing a few other things too. Yes, um, there are a variety of different mammals in this area. So we have um, squirrel gliders and some of our larger gliders, like greater gliders, um, ringtail and brushtail possums, and of course um, the ever so faithful tawny frogmouth, which you should expect to see anytime you leave the house at night. Yeah, <laughs> um, there are also some koalas, um, not many, but we do see the old one every now and then um, using this area. Yeah. Any anything in uh, in particular you'd uh, be excited to find in the area, Matt? Um, owls. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty standard. Yeah. So there's virtually uh, two species that we've been getting here: boobook, which I can st I can just slightly hear in the in the distance calling already. Um, and then we've got the non-owl. So as Jazz touched on, tawny frogmouth, uh, owl at night jar, um, powerful owl. Obviously, that's why we're here. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a fair bit around. It's a good little spot, nice easy walk. We I mean, generally have it covered in uh, just a little over an hour. 
uh, lots of flying foxes flying above as we speak as well. Um, so lots lots of food options for the for the powerful owls. Yeah, wonderful. Well, look, I guess we better hit the trail and uh, see what else we can find. Uh, guys, we'll turn the recorder back on once we find something cool and uh, yeah, see how we go. All right, guys. Cheers. Talk soon. <laughs> All right, so we found uh, that's a powerful owl food item number one, pretty much. Yeah. Ringtail possum. Yeah, we've got a little ringy here. We usually get them along this spot. It's usually a very good spot for them. Um, they're a much easier prey item for powerful owls to tackle compared to a brush-tailed possum because they're much more timid, whereas brushies kind of like cats. Yeah, no, brushies, brushies will kind of fight back. I've, uh, yeah. you know, having you know handled them and stuff for work for various reasons, uh, they have opened me up and spilled my blood many a time. Um, so I can, de and you know, same thing with ringtails. I have handled them as well, and they are definitely much easier to handle. Absolutely, and I, we haven't seen these guys. You know, they will take brushies, but you don't see it anywhere near as much as them um, sitting with ringtail possums in their talons. But um, Matt did see this pair with a young brush-tail possum. So obviously that was just easy to snatch if it was a back rider. Yeah, right. Um, just snatch off mum's back. So A back rider, as in, yeah. as in at the size that it is still uh, out of the pouch, but now riding around on the yes. mum's back. Just for a, a back rider. I've never heard that term. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so um, and what, what was the other thing that we saw that I didn't have time to get my recorder out? Was that a was that a swamp wallaby? Yeah, we had a swamp wallaby. Um, usually only get a quick glance at them before they take off, but he took off with a bunch of food in his mouth, so he, oh, had he his was eating. Priorities right, so. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Matt, do you see a lot of macropods in the area typically, or? Oh, in this particular spot, um, three macropod species generally. So eastern grey, uh, red-necked wallaby, and then swamp wallaby are the main ones, but. Uh, for every wallaby, you probably see at least 10 possum species. Mm -hmm. So they, they do outnumber them in terms of um, overall numbers. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And, um, well, I guess that's our first food item. But, uh, you know, if we find any more uh, squirrel gliders, are, are, we, are we likely to see much predation this time of year without, with, the, with the powerful owls in the area? Um, it just depends on timing. So sometimes you're lucky and you get here and they've caught something you know very late last night so that they've held on to it um, but that wasn't the case today so um, they've obviously gone off hunting who knows how long it will take them to, to get something but hopefully um, when we come back around they might might be feeding the chicks or we can wait a little bit and see if a parent comes in with some prey um, we have been lucky um, with that in the past but just depends on the night so <laughs> yeah cool never know well I mean that's the joy of getting out here and uh, I guess we should uh keep on the trail. Alright folks, we'll, um, we'll be back if we find anything else cool. Um, so Yasmin, what are we looking at here? Um, we're looking at two young powerful owls. So they're still very downy, um, their underparts are completely um, white down feather and they've got dark little masks around their eyes. Um, they'd be flying okay now, so they're about... I'd say about three and a half um, months old or so. Yeah, okay, so, and how, how long do they, so they're basically not hunting for themselves yet? No, absolutely not. So um, mum and dad are still providing for them. So they'll wait here until one of them bring them back a possum and mum will tear it up for them and feed it to them by the mouth. So yeah. right, so. <laughs> you'll see them all, like almost take out mum's eye trying to get the food <laughs> off her. It's really exciting. <laughs> so they get a little bit keen when they get a Absolutely. feed. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. Well. So um, obviously we're, you know, hopefully waiting for the chance to maybe, if we're lucky, see that happen. If not, we're, we're, we're still very happy. Obviously yes. this is my first time seeing um, 
powerful hours in the wild. And uh, um, you know, I, I tried to get a photo with my uh, regular kit lens on my camera here. Um, no, no dice. <laughs> Luckily, um, Matt had um, some serious equipment and managed to um, strap a massive lens and some flash onto my camera. So I think we actually got a good photo. So thank you very much for that, Matt. That's all right. Um, is uh, is this pretty much a typical night for you guys chasing these things and getting photos? Oh, the oh, and when we first started, we'd take photos at every opportunity. But now we've uh, most of the time we don't even take cameras, and we're just uh, making sure things are still around and logging just basic data. Um, and then every now and then we'll bring the camera if we want something different. But we've just got so many photos of owls now. Unless they're doing something extraordinary, we'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and won't won't uh, take any photos. And we just generally just enjoy watching them now. Um, because you know most of the shots are them just doing what they're doing now, they're just sitting and staring at us. We've got photos of them, so no need to take more and and harass them any more than, than really need be. Yeah, essentially, we can just we can just watch. You know, if if now something the uh, the brother or sister jumped on the other one's head, I'd take a photo. But um, <laughs> while they're just sitting there watching us, there's there's essentially no need to get the camera out and take any pics. Yeah, sure. And, and, and Yasmin, I noticed that you're, uh, you're using the uh, red light on the torch here at night, obviously, while uh, keeping the light on them. Um, so definitely that, sh that uh, wavelength, that red wavelength is a little bit uh, easier on the eyes at night time. Absolutely. You'll notice a big difference in how they behave. If I were to switch to white light, there'll be a lot of squinting or looking directly up or directly the other way to avoid it. Um, so it's just much nicer to observe them under a red light and um, see that more natural behaviour. So whenever you can, I mean, this is a proper red LED torch, but doing something as simple as putting red cellophane over your torch will do the job. Yeah, right. And, and I guess any other tips for, um, I guess, minimising some of the disturbance? If, if people do want to go out owling, I guess, you know, probably no point tramping around making too much noise, right, Matt? Yeah, you want to limit the amount of noise you want to make. Um, with a lot of birding, um, birds respond to uh, playing calls. Um, if you're going to do that with not just owls, but any bird species, make sure you research the species and understand when they're breeding so you're not playing calls during breeding seasons. Um, you also or, or outside of breeding seasons and confusing things, is that correct as well? Yeah, you can also confuse them. Um, you want to, we uh, do the bird life survey protocol when we visit new areas looking for owls, which is uh, one call every minute for 10 minutes and then if you don't get a response you cease all call back um, and then on the other hand if you get a call straight away then you cease all call back so um, yeah you don't want to limit the amount of stress on these birds um, owls in particular um, can be disturbed especially not just now during the night but during the day that's when they're at most risk um, a lot of people try and visit them during the day you want to try and limit limit the amount of visitation during the day because if they are threatened by you during the day they may try and fly away and that's when your corvids and your larger honey eaters are going to start bothering bothering them during the day so they're there for a reason they want to be inconspicuous and the more attention you draw to them during the day the the less they're going to be or the more they're going to be bothered so night night for me is when you should be viewing owls but it also is the hardest time and you if you're going to go out make sure you take someone with you for a safety point of view as well
Yeah, obviously, and uh, and uh, do let people know where you're going, and um, and you know do do carry a standard first aid kit. We've got um, all, all of our gear here with us as 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 needed. Now you mentioned as well, and so did you, Yasmin, that um, uh, the corvids, the crows, and things like that during the day can be a bit of an issue um, for these guys. Is is there a lot of other, I guess, uh, things that are going to mob on them, or I guess predators of powerful owls in particular? Um, fortunately, predators aren't so much of an issue. Um, it can be an issue for young birds if they do end up on the ground and, and they have an unsuccessful um, first flight. Um, they may be you know, vulnerable in that position and a fox might get them. Or while down on the ground. Dog while down on the ground. But beyond that, in terms of predation, they're pretty safe. Yeah, so, they're pretty big. Thank goodness. How yes. big do these guys get? Because these are chicks, obviously, and they're only three months old and they are massive. They're still pretty big. So the chicks are around, you know, uh, 45 centimetres. Um, we got to measure that one that we unfortunately lost. And um, so the adults get up to 65 centimetres. So it's a very big bird. Wingspan of 1.3 metres inch long talons so they're um, very well equipped predators of the night yeah right but as you mentioned um, that that one um, chick was lost by uh, and that was as I understand the crows and, and stuff uh, harassing it yeah. during the day and obviously not super well adapted to daytime yeah the, this chick had only just come out of the hollow so it was its you know, one of its first few days out of the hollow. Um, and they're still kind of a little bit clumsy at that point. You'll see um, footage of them awkwardly flapping, trying to get their footing right <laughs> on branches, just like any baby's first steps. So um, yeah. they're, you know, they're, you know, they're very vulnerable in that first week. Um, and those, you know, carawongs and crows, they will bully them. Um, unfortunately, this bird did get attacked on the back um, and then he ended up falling down to the ground and, and dying there, which is really sad. It was, um, but thank goodness it was a natural cause of death. You know, right, not, right. Not vehicle strike, not poisoning, not from an invasive species or anything like that. Um, just know, just uh, essentially just part native, of nature. Yeah, a native on a native. And, um, you know, the, good, the other good thing we took away from it as you know it's it is sad to lose a baby but the parents are, are perfectly well so they will breed again next year and you know losing an adult bird is much more of a loss um on the you know broad scale of things than right something losing. that's reproductively yeah, active absolutely yeah yeah right right well, like I mean, obviously, yeah, very sad to lose them, but I guess that's the nature of uh, you know spatial ecology. Things are going to be displacing each other and Absolutely. competing for resources, yep. and um, that's just the the nature of the wild. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow, they are absolutely beautiful. I'm uh, uh, you know. I'm very enamoured with these th these birds. <laughs> I can see why you guys spend so much time out here. Um, Matt, is there a, you know is are these one of your favourite birds? Would you say, or is a you know pretty high on the list at least? Oh. All owls have their place in my heart, <laughs> but um, powerfuls are definitely up there. Obviously, any bird that's um, yeah, almost two and a half kilos and 65 centimetres tall and can take pretty much any of our arboreal mammals as prey is pretty cool. Um, and I, we, we did, in fact, see its other prey item as well tonight, yeah, the uh, brush-tail possum. Yep, yeah, brush-tail um, possum with, um, with, a, uh, with a back rider. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was uh, that was uh, quite fascinating. Um, nice and low. And uh, yeah, we watched that little uh, that little young uh, brush-tailed possum try to get into the uh, pouch and, and fail. So obviously, <laughs> mum's not letting him in. Um, but a uh, uh, bit of a risk for, for that possum then uh, might might become lunch at some point. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> Hope, 
<laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, if it does, I'm there to watch it and take a photo of some video or something like that. Which and, and, and observe some good owl predation behaviour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've never seen them actively bring in a brushy at them, usually um, all the other prey items we spoke about. But, um, yeah, it would, it's always cool seeing mum and dad bring, bring food. And food delivery is a pretty uh, unique experience to watch and something you just don't know when can happen. Um, you know, I've spent not just powerful hours, but I've spent you know, eight hours at night waiting for a food delivery and then nothing. And then as you're walking away and you're 100 metres away, you hear the adult coming with prey and you're just like, oh, bugger. <laughs> just missed it. But yeah, that's just all part and parcel. Sometimes you can, you'd be waiting five or 10 minutes. Sometimes you may not even see it. That's just, just one of those things, unfortunately, but always cool to see when it does happen. Yeah, right. So, well, look, I guess if we're, uh, we're lucky, we might get to see some of that tonight, Yasmin? Yeah, hopefully. And I know it sounds awful that Matt seems so excited about it and possibly <laughs> getting photos, but honestly, um, it is very true you get desensitised to it. Um, well, that... that observing it and yeah. it's a totally natural behaviour and, you know, the, the, the animal's well and truly dead when they bring it in. So I guess you're not making that connection with, you know, a cute little alive animal. You're not seeing it being killed. It's... It's it's dead. So yeah, there's not gonna there's not gonna be a whole lot of playing with the the suffering animal here. No, it's, no. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, you know, as as um as mor as morbid and uh, as bloody as it sometimes is, hey, that's predators in nature, and um it's what they do. And seeing them um seeing them do their thing, seeing them uh, hunt and feed and raise their children must uh, be um pretty exciting. Yeah, it's absolutely very exciting, and I, and I love seeing what they will bring in. So, obviously, it's, it is mostly ringtail possums, but when they do bring in something different, it's yeah, it's nice to keep track of what they're getting, um, the different pairs in different areas, and what they're feeding on throughout the year. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, look, I guess we'll um, switch off the recorder, hang out for a little bit, and see if uh, we get a feeding event, and uh, switch on the recorder if we uh, find anything else cool. Cheers, guys. So we have left the powerful owl chicks and uh, heading back we have found another one of their wonderful prey items, a, is it a sugar glider? Yeah, it's a sugar glider. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So sugar gliders, uh, uh, petar, petargus, petaurus, 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 breviceps, that's right, petaurus, breviceps. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful gliding mammal, um, marsupial, um, basically possum with a, an, uh, an extended skin flap from uh, the uh, wrist to the ankle that lets them glide from tree to tree. Oh wow, look at that. Isn't that stunning? Beautiful little animal. We'll see if we can get a photo from that angle. It is a bit of a tough shot. But, um, so they'll, um, what, basically chase these things flying around from tree to tree, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to snatch these guys up. I've seen them um, bring them in, and the chicks kind of just threw the whole thing down, tail and all. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, pretty so, pretty impressive. So this is a snack for them? Yeah, it's an entree. <laughs> an entree. An order. Oh, wow. Okay, well, obviously a decent amount of uh, uh, potential food out here for them. Um, all right, I'm going to see what else we can find. I'm going to uh, see if I can snap a little photo of this uh, beautiful little sugar glider. Um, might be having a bit of a chew on the, the trunk of the bark there. All right, All right no worries, guys. We shall uh, turn the recorder back on if we find anything cool. Cheers, y'all. All right, guys. So we found uh, you know, a climbing mammal, a, a bouncing mammal, and a, and a flying mammal. Um, and, uh, and we found our owls. Um, what an awesome night. Yeah, pretty successful night for a 
you know, short walk. Yeah, easy um, walk. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Not 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 exactly uh, a hard slog through uh, rainforest, which uh, some of our field shows have involved. Um, nice little trail here, guys. This is uh, really lovely. Thanks for taking us out. Um, how often do you guys get out uh, doing this kind of stuff, Matt? Uh, probably f three or four nights a week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you guys are busy. Yeah, it depends on the time of season, but actually, no, nah, it doesn't really depend on the season because we're pretty much out three or four times a week, pretty much every week, every year. <laughs> so there's always something going on, eh? Yeah, there's always something going on. If we're not looking for ours in particular, we're always looking for other stuff because we do um, help out with the Glider Conservation uh, Society with um, logging of greater glider sightings and stuff like that, so... If we're not doing ours, which is pretty much 99.999% of our time, we do do other stuff and we do enjoy birds, reptiles, amphibians, mammals. We just we just love everything. So, And we do have a soft spot for our nocturnals. So we, we're probably out at least 20, 25 hours a week at night looking for stuff, whether it be old spots, checking on old friends or going into new spots looking for, for new things. So, yeah, we're, we're always out at night. Yeah, well, that's a yeah, not exactly getting a lot of sleep, but um, uh, a lot of cool uh, nocturnal stuff. And as you mentioned, um, there is um, you know aside from the eBird um, bird bird data, there's the Queensland Glider Network that people can get involved with. There's Frog ID, there's Herp Mapper, and um, for those of you guys who uh, don't know, uh, Quester Game, the biodiversity search game where you can log pretty much any kind of biodiversity sightings that you find and win points and beat other people and, and that way you're better at biodiversity and everybody else sucks which is great um so i guess that's pretty much it for the night guys thank you so much for taking us out once again this has been awesome um so uh i, I guess if uh, people do want to follow you they can find you on facebook at phonographic or at phonographic.com.au yes um also don't forget about the powerful hour project um, with the Powerflower project, it's pretty much finished for the year. But if you want to get involved in this awesome citizen science project next year, um, either contact contact us directly and we'll um, get in touch with you, or jump on to the relevant sites, which I'm sure you're about to tell everybody about. Um, That's correct. That's uh, on Facebook at powerful owl brisbane and at bird life australia both on facebook um you can check them out there you can also go to uh the ebird and bird data apps um both which will uh you know you can use for uh citing uh bird uh, uh data obviously <laughs> with a name like bird data that's kind of what it's for but um yeah powerful owl brisbane at powerful owl brisbane um it's a great way to go and that's uh for the uh brisbane powerful owl project uh they're trying to get as many sightings uh, around the area recorded for uh, conservation purposes. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, we're just trying to get an idea of how many um, breeding pairs we have and active territories or where owls should be and they aren't anymore. So just kind of um, mapping out the suitable habitat and um, finding out what areas we need to protect if there are owls there. Um, if you missed out on our workshops this year, there'll be um, plenty more beginning of next year um, so just keep an eye out on those um, pages you mentioned so the bird live southern queensland facebook page or the powerful hour project page um, um, towards next year and there should be some workshop dates starting to pop up you know early next year before we get into the breeding season very very cool and of course you can uh, i'm sure see most of that on the phonographic facebook page as they come up um yasmin uh matt thank you again so much this has been super super awesome um now, uh, what does the rest of the year hold for you guys? A lot more owling? 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, power flowers are finished. Um, we had our first sighting of a mast owl on the Gold Coast um, the other week, so that's our next mission is to start looking for more mast owls on the Gold Coast. Yeah, we did notice that. That's uh, and uh, and was uh, there was a bit of a glider find down there as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we got yellow-bellied gliders down there, which is really exciting. Um, they're presumed extinct in Brisbane. You can get them in the Conondale Ranges and. Um, down near the border as well but um, finding them on the Gold Coast is, is pretty cool. We've been hearing them for a bit over a year but have just never been able to get our eyes onto them. And yeah then, that, I mean that's the fun with nocturnal fauna right? Yeah and they're very noisy so you always know they're there. Um, such a social animal as well but um, we happened to see one glide off after it was making a racket and then a mast owl pursued it so it was very exciting, um, but we didn't want that to happen because we wanted to look at them both. <laughs> <laughs> but a pretty, a pretty crazy observation. So mast owls are uh, also pretty much uh, not uh, well recorded for the location. I know they're found in Lamington. Is that right, Matt? Uh, there, there's a few records up Lamington Way, but I think it may be one or two in in public records. So they're not that um, not that many or not many records known. Um, mast owls generally are very secretive species, and that's probably part of the problem. Is they're generally very quiet, um, and in areas that are generally not accessible to most people. So, um, in terms of mast owls in Brisbane, there's a there's a few sightings and a few repeated sightings, but on the Gold Coast, there's next to no sightings for for the mast owls. So that's a species that we uh, hate to love and love to hate. Um, but uh, so this, what does this new finding of uh, this new sighting of a, a mast owl down on the Gold Coast mean for you guys? Oh, it just means we're probably going to be spending more time on the Gold Coast, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find more, trying to log their locations, and yeah. uh, so it's. Oh, I've been looking for them for three or four years and to no avail, and then the first, the, this is the first one for us. Um, I did go out there last night looking for them and and didn't even hear a bow peep. So that's just mast owls and they're just got large territories as well so that doesn't that doesn't help all too much but uh, we'll get there and hopefully um, start triangulating some some known locations for them in the not too distant future I hope well I've uh, never known you guys to shy away from a challenge so uh, <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, we hope to uh, be seeing some uh, nice mast owl photos come up sometime in the uh, Fornographic Facebook page at some point in the future Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fingers crossed. Guys, I think that's uh, that's it for the night. We're all going to jump back in the car. I'm currently being swarmed on by lots of bugs. Yep. Um, you too? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So it's uh, it's bug time. It's, uh, it's bug out time. It's bedtime. And uh, we shall uh, see you guys on the next episode of Wildlife Cake and Cocktails. Don't forget to follow us at WCC uh, Wildlife Cake and Cocktails uh, on Facebook, uh, WCC underscore podcast on Twitter. And uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Cheers, guys. Bye.